As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and we've been waiting for you. And the we is me and Denise and Paul Renner. Hey, guys. Hey, Rick. And Home Group, welcome. We're so excited to be with you at this time. Paul, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to be here, too. Recently, I was in the United States, and I got to meet quite a few people who watch the Home Group regularly. It was very, very pleasant. Thank you for your comments. And... I heard the most comments from our interaction, uh -huh. especially the times when we don't always agree with each other. Yeah. <laughs> that seemed to be people's favorite part. Oh, people oh. love that because yeah. it's real. But you yeah. know what? We are all, real on this home. It's group. all real. Yeah, it's, but anyway, we're glad that you're with us. And I want you to know that right now you can get the free download of my series called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. This is the study guide. Look at the size of the study guide. It is enormous. It's like a whole book. Yes, it's a book-sized study guide. And this is yours for free. All you have to do is go to renner.org, and you can download it right now for free. Please do, because we do these for you. And while you're there, you ought to order the whole 15-part series, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. Ugh, we need to keep our head on straight. The back of the series says, Are You Shocked? to see how far society is drifting from what was once was held precious in terms of morality and faith. We're indeed living in messy times. That's why we need to learn how to think right, to use our minds to stay sensitive to the Lord and to keep your head on straight in a world that is going crazy. We need to know what the Bible says and stick with the Bible. And you can also order the book which is by the same title, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. Do you know more than 40 Christian leaders endorse this book? That is amazing. And the foreword is written by my friend John Bevere. Denise? Rick, I want to say something about that book because I think people need this book because even the cover says so much because it's the world upside down. And that's what it seems like things are right now there. They're upside down. And I, I, this is a very, very timely book. Well, people are confused about gender, men who think they're women, women who think they're men. And unfortunately, many in the church are adapting to these new mindsets. And the Holy Spirit prophesied that would happen at the end of the age. But I have to mention one more thing. Right now on our website, we're offering our autobiography about our family called Unlikely, Our Faith-Filled Journey to the Ends of the Earth. And right now it is 50% off on our website. But this Friday night is the next Renner Family Online meeting. And during that meeting, we're going to all be there. Even Philip is going to be there and he's going to be singing. But that night, everything on our website will be 30% off. So please be sure to avail yourself to that. And the meeting will be Friday night at 7 p.m., Central time. It's going to be fun, isn't it? It is going to be fun. And did you say that everything on the website was 30% sure off? I sure did. Well, it's just so exciting. I'm just repeating it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Father, we thank you for being with us tonight. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to speak clearly from the Word of God and to undergird our home group. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to begin in verse 1, where the Apostle Paul is describing what's going to take place in the church and the world at the very end of the age. Not just the church, in the whole world, 
but he prophesies it's also going to affect the church. Some people might say, well, let's pray that this doesn't happen. Well, there's some prayers that are not going to be answered. When the Holy Spirit says something definitely is going to happen, it's going to happen. And he tells us about it not to scare us, but to prepare us so we can insulate ourselves and not be affected like the rest of the world. We need to really listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The word latter in Greek is the word husteros. That's a very interesting word. It describes the very ultimate end of something. In fact, you're so much at the end that there's not much of it left over. It's like this week. I was feeding our dogs. I could use this word hysteros to describe me feeding the dogs. We give our dogs yogurt. Well, we used all the yogurt. There wasn't any left. I was like trying to get drips. We were hysteros. We were at the end. There wasn't any more. That's the word that is used in this text. So the Holy Spirit isn't just describing the last days. He's talking about the very, very end of the last days when you can't get any more drips out of it. You've gone all the way to the end of the age. And he says, in the latter times... Some will depart from the faith. The words the faith in Greek has a definite article, and this is very important. If it just said some shall depart from faith, it would have meant faith for miracles, faith for healings, faith for finances, faith for things. But a definite article means it is the faith. It is the clear doctrinal teaching of Scripture or the tenets of the Christian faith. And the Holy Spirit says people are going to begin to depart from from it. But what does that mean to depart? Well, the word depart is the Greek word ephistomy, and it is a compound of two words. The word apo means away from, and it carries the idea of putting distance between you and something else. The word phistomy is from the word stami, which means to step or to stand. When you compound the two words together, it's people that are beginning to change their position. They're beginning to change their position. They used to be here, but now they're moving away from this position very gradually, step by step. They're beginning to slowly, methodically move away from what they used to believe until now there's great distance between they, who they are now and what they used to be. They're not the same people at all like they used to be. They have departed. And it's very interesting and very important to note, it does not say the church will reject the faith. It does not say that. It says they will Depart. Depart from the faith, which means this is going to be a process that will be slow, it will be seducing, and many people that are in the process of departure will not even realize that they're modifying themselves and they're modifying their faith. But step by step, little by little, they're beginning to move away from what they used to be to embrace a new kind of a mindset. Well, that's what's happening in society today. In fact, if you look at this verse completely, it says they will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Giving heed is the Greek word prosecho. It's a compound of two words. The word pros means to lean towards something. The word echo means to embrace. So it pictures people that are leaning toward a new idea. And they're not just leaning toward it, but echo. They're beginning to embrace it. But you can't embrace something new until you've let loose of something old. So they're turning away from what they once believed. We know that they're departing step by step. Slowly they're moving away from what they used to really believe was truth. Now they're being modified in their thinking. 
and they're beginning to turn toward new ideas, to embrace new concepts, and the Bible calls it doctrines of demons. The word doctrines is the Greek word didaskalia, which describes really well-packaged information. This is not just information coming at you from the pulpit. This is information coming to you from the courts, from the school system, from Hollywood, from the world of entertainment, from news commentators bombarding you, bombarding you, bombarding you, bombarding you, telling you that what they're presenting to you is more logical, more attractive, more up to date than what you used to believe back in primitive times. You need to let go of that old stuff and begin to consider something new. And we know particularly what this verse is talking about because it says seducing spirits. And the word seducing is the Greek word planeo. The word planeo was a word only used in one way. It describes somebody that left a solid path that they once walked upon. They walked on it, walked on it, walked on it, but now for some reason they have veered from that path. And in fact, they have veered until now they are treacherously walking right on the edge of a very precarious cliff. They put themselves in a very dangerous position because they left their well-worn worn path. And this word planel was also the word used by farmers to describe animals that got so lost they could not find their way back home. But there's something else. This word deceiving, the Greek word planel, was used by rabbis between the intertestamental periods, between the Old and the New Testament. And they specifically used this word to say just before the end of the age. Now listen to this. This is why word studies are so important. When you find out how a word was used, then you find out what is its meaning in the New Testament. And during that intertestamental period, those rabbis said, at the very end of the age, this is how they used it, they forecast there would be a time when the world would morally lose its way and it would begin to wander. That they would not know who they are, what they're doing, what is right, what is wrong. It indicates a period of losing one's moral bearings Everything's tossed up into the air. What used to be black is now white. What was white is now black. We're not even sure what is black and white. Everything is in a state of flux, a time of confusion, particularly in regard to morally what you believe to be right and to be wrong. And this, of course, confirms what we're told in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, when Isaiah prophesied that at the end of the age, people will call darkness light, and they will call light darkness. Well, think about it. We're living in an age right now when what we believe is dark really is being called radical, new, wonderful ways of thinking. And if you believe what we believe, which we believe is light, the people in that other group are calling us darkness. They're saying we've been radicalized. No, we haven't. We're the same people we always were. Haven't changed. Haven't changed one bit. Yeah. We just believe what the Bible says. But they're saying we've been radicalized. We're dangerous. We're dark. We're dismal, but they in their darkness are proclaiming themselves to be light. And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit said would take place in the end of the age. And he says, when you've come to the very end, the Greek word hysteros, when there's no more drips to get out of it, when you've come to the end of the age and there's not much less, you'll know you've arrived in that season because people will morally begin to go berserk. And that's also what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. He said to the disciples, you want to know the sign of the end of the age? He said, beware, don't let any man deceive you. 
That's the first list that Jesus, sign Jesus gave on his list, worldwide deception. And today we're in the stage where the world is morally modifying itself to believe everything's okay. In fact, I was just this morning praying, thinking about the state of the world. And I was thinking that really what's happening is there's almost no such thing as sin anymore. Everything's okay. Everything has been explained. Everything has been explained. It's been modified. It's, sin is almost gone. Yeah. Even if you talk about the concept of sin in the church. Right and wrong. Right and wrong. People get confused because there's been such a drift. Mm -hmm. And in the church, we have a responsibility to stay with the scriptures. Now, when you stay with the scriptures, it may put you at odds with everybody else. But hey, nothing new. That's what happened in the New Testament church. They weren't persecuted because they were Christians. They were persecuted because they were unbendable. They were inflexible. And the world around them said, bend, flex. And there were some in the early church who were wrongly saying, let's modify ourselves. They were called Nicolaitans. You can read about them in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. They were Nicolaitans. They were saying, let's not be so strict. Come on, we can give a little. What does it hurt us to let people do what they want to do and quit be condemning and judgmental of everybody? Let's just bend and then we can get along better with the world. But the problem is you kill the gospel when you do that. You kill the life of the spirit. And God is against you when you modify a truth. Truth is truth regardless of what's going on in the world and the age around you. Truth does not change. There really is something as absolute truth. But we're living in an age when people don't believe in absolute truth. In fact, they say, well, my truth, what is your truth? It's like truth is up for grabs. Even the meaning of the word truth has lost its, it's, lost its meaning. It's being used improperly. Well, I want us to look at one more verse. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. And when we go to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, we find that even in the first century, there was already a departure from truth. Truth has always been under assault. It's nothing new. Just the Holy Spirit prophesies at the end of the age, it will be the greatest assault on truth that has ever occurred. In fact, the Apostle Paul prophesied in 2 Timothy, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, that a worldwide delusion would emerge at the end of the age. It's not going to be little pockets. It's going to be a worldwide delusion. But we have to stick with the Bible. But even in the first century, there were some teachers that were beginning to depart from the truth. And Paul refers to this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, where he says, As I besought thee to abide at Ephesus, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. No other doctrine in Greek is heterodidaskalos. The word heteros means one of a different kind. It's where you get the term for a heterosexual. It's two sexes of a completely different kind. And the word didaskalos, which is the word for teaching. But when you compound it together, it means they were beginning to teach a doctrine of a different kind. They were beginning to veer from the hardcore truths of Scripture, and they were already beginning to repackage truth in a new light to make it more accommodating to the world around them. Our job is not to accommodate the world around us. Our job is to change the world around us. Mm -hmm. And truth brings light and truth brings change. What they were teaching was a diversion from truth. And if this could happen in the church of Ephesus, it can happen to anybody. And it's happening in the church world today. 
But in verse 4, Paul goes on to say, Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which do minister questions, rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. And notice at the first of that verse, he says, neither give heed. It's again the Greek word prosecho, which means pros, you're leaning towards something, echo to embrace it. These are people who once embraced one thing, but now they've kind of gone to the other side. That's what my sister says about people. Oh, they've gone to the dark side. Well, there really are a lot of Christians that have kind of gone to the dark side. They've released what they had. And you know one reason why people release? Because their kids get messed up. Mm-hmm. And they don't know to what to do with their kids. And rather than feel like they're going to lose their relationship with their kids, they begin to modify what they believe so they can accommodate their kids. Just earlier today, we were talking about how following the Bible will end up costing you something. Yeah. When you stand on biblical truths, it will end up costing you something. And as Christians, part of our calling is to stand on these truths. And I'm so grateful for the Bible, because when we talk about uh, Paul and Timothy here, he's actually telling Timothy to defend the truth, which at that point didn't have pages and chapters and books and verses. Today we have something we can study, read, defend, and, and build our lives upon. And so there's everything we need is here. We just have to pay attention to it. It doesn't matter what the courts say. It doesn't matter what education says. It doesn't matter what entertainment in Hollywood says. It doesn't matter what your kids say. It doesn't matter what your siblings say. Truth is truth. And if you are sacrificing truth because you don't want to hurt your kids, you're going to hurt your kids. You're going to hurt them. Because when they get in trouble, they need somebody that is rock solid. And if you have just mitigated yourself all over the place, they won't want to go to you for help. But if they know that you're rock solid, that you believe the Bible and you have answers, your kids one day will come back to you for help. And when you give it all up and sacrifice it all to accommodate your kids, you're not helping your kids. You're not. Now, it may be painful temporarily, but it's the right thing to do. And God will help you. Don't forget God's involved here. God's going to work in your kids. He's going to work in your family and in your friends. But you stick with God. You've got to stick with God. That's why Jesus said, you've got to be willing to pick up your cross and follow him. And sometimes when you follow Jesus, it puts you at odds with people that are around you. But this verse says, don't turn your attention to something other than truth. In fact, he says, if it's not truth, it's a fable. The word fable is a Greek word, muthos, and I want to redo you. It describes false teaching perpetuated in the place of truth. We don't like that truth, so let's change that truth. Let's make, hmm, let's make that truth say something a little nicer. You can't do that with truth. Mm-hmm. Truth is truth. And in fact, then it goes on to say endless genealogies. This is really strange in Greek. The word endless is a Greek word, eparantas. It describes something endless, unbridled, unrestrained, unfounded, incomplete in content and thought, which means once you begin to wander, the wandering just gets worse and worse and worse, and your vacillation gets bigger and bigger and bigger until finally you get so far from the truth that what you believe is not even close to the truth. And it's hard to get back to the truth. That's why this word was so important. It describes an animal that can't find its way back. Mm-hmm. Better not to lose your way to begin with. It says don't even give heed to, meaning we don't have to study all the lies to know that they're lies. We have to study the truth, and the truth will help us know 
what we should spend our time and efforts on and what we shouldn't. Right now there are so many conspiracy theories that people like to talk about and I get, I get kind of distracted by it. Yes, I like to talk about the conspiracy theories. Well, they're entertaining. Very entertaining. But I don't have to spend time studying the conspiracy theories to eventually find out that it's just someone's crazy idea. There, there's nothing there underneath it. There's nothing there to support it. It's just more crazy ideas upon another crazy ideas and theories upon theories. I don't have to spend my time on that to realize, why did I do this? But you know what, Paul? Okay, what's happening with the gender issue, it's not it's just a conspiracy. It's really happening. It's worse. And the thing is, it, it, scientifically it doesn't work. Biblically, it doesn't work. Logically, it doesn't work. But people are convincing themselves that it works. You have to really convince yourself to believe all that silliness. But, you know, you can convince yourself to believe anything. But the Bible says it's muthos. It's just a bunch of fables. It's a bunch of silliness unrelated to truth. Unrestrained research. Once you begin to veer, your veering gets further and further and further. Your wobbling gets wider and wider and wider and wider. Wow. And this verse says, rather than that these things minister questions. You know what that means? The Greek literally means it just gives rise to speculations. Once you start on this track, there's no end to it. Once you depart from truth, you have blown the, blown the cap off of everything. You're never going to find an answer. You just get more questions and more questions. You enter into the age of speculation and the age of questions. You can't build your life on that. You can't build your life on that. Because there's no such thing as an absolute answer. There's no such thing as black and white. There's no such thing as yes and no. It just blows the cap off of everything and messes up the whole world. Unfortunately, we had a member in our church, he was on the praise and worship team, who began to veer into thousands of questions. And the further he got, the, I mean, just the more difficult he made it for, he made it for himself. And eventually, he ended up isolating himself from other believers who just stuck to simple truth uh, because he created, he ministered questions. Every time you talked to him, it was just people ended up doubting more than believing every time they spoke to this particular young man. Uh, we did our best to help him. We talked to him, spent hours talking to him. And that's what you have to do. You have to do your best to help people. But at some point, he decided that he prefer to spend all of his time and efforts on these endless genealogies. And, and that, that created a difficulty in the in a difficult point in the relationship. Of course, we continue to pray for him, but we have to stick to what's true. Denise? Well, <coughs> excuse me, I've been studying First John uh, a lot lately in chapter 3. Uh, it's talking about the love of God. First verse is, I love it. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. That's an absolute. Therefore, the world does not know us. Hmm. They don't know the God in you. They don't recognize the Holy Spirit in you. It is, it is so normal. I was thinking about this, Rick, because sometimes we get angry with people that are, have power or influence and they're doing things to influence other people to believe the wrong thing. 
and we might get angry at them. But they are blinded. They do not see, this Bible says, they do not know the God who's in you. They don't know you. They don't know what you're made of. They don't understand you. And when we, I think when we know this, it helps us to know that we're normal according to God. Mm -hmm. When we stand on the truth, we're normal according to God. And then it says, because they did not know him. And when I read that, I thought, okay, they don't know me and they don't know him. And their destiny, if they don't change, is an eternity in hell. You don't hear much about hell now, but it's, it hasn't disappeared. It's still real and people are going there. We don't even hear much about heaven. And it's still real and people are going there. We just need to stick with the Bible and help people. It's true. You know, we're out of time. Oh. But tonight, we're giving you this for free. This is free today. So if you go to our website right now, we'll send it to you. Look at it. It's quite a gift. We want you to have it. Yes. Today, only one per household. But sleep well. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it.